Hello and welcome to episode 45 of season 2 of the Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. I'm your host this week, TJ. It's sorry, TJ Mills. That's some good start. I can't even get my name right. <laughs> <laughs> Little hope for you, Robbie. How's things? I have an easy act to follow now. I can only get better. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a long week, but it's only Tuesday, so yeah. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> uh, and things strange or wonderful with you in the past week? Ah no, all quiet really. Just uh, you know, watching the toy show the other night and put the Christmas tree there today. So yeah, it's kind of getting in the getting ready for it first of December tomorrow as we're recording on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, I know. Fair play. Yeah, we're kind of late putting up the Christmas trees. Always maybe, uh, maybe the week or sometimes two weeks out. But yeah, we always seem to leave it up about a week later than we should as well. So it'll probably make up for that yeah but uh actually you mentioned the toy show there what did you think of it do you think it's um getting better or do you think it's not as good as previous uh like i'm not a huge i'd I, I never watched late late show ordinarily because i don't really like ryan turbidy um i just think when he's interviewing people he's really fake um i think he does do a good job on the toy show side of things i just don't really like him you know the way but i, I always yeah. enjoy the toy show and you know Ed Sheeran coming out that was pretty cool uh it wouldn't have like last year you had Dermot Kedney coming out uh, and singing remember that the young lad was singing last year and Dermot Kedney came out and he was just absolutely yeah. blown away so I think that was like one of the best moments ever but it was it was a decent toy show um there, it's always pretty good but it wasn't like the best one ever um yeah I don't know like who who could you get in to replace Ryan Turbley long term but he's probably got sewn up for the next 10 years anyway so yeah, no, I'd agree with you. I, I try and, um, not in personal against Ryan Tuberty, I, I think he tries to be genuine and all of that, but um, yeah, it's just when you hear about the, the salary he's on and all of that, it's hard to be, you try and show empathy and all of that, but when you're earning what you're earning kind of way, it's, um, it could come across as false, but nothing personal against them but I think no one could beat Gay Burnford maybe it's kind of sentimental when Gay Burn was doing it I would have been kind of a really young age but um, I just think uh, Gay Burn was kind of more there were no false bullshit about him if that makes sense but um, anyway we move on and there are some big news in the Camogie world this week. There are rumours and ramblings around it in the past week. But Davy Fitz is joining the Cork Camogie management team as coach. What do you think of that, Robbie? A big surprise? Yeah, big surprise. Um, this kind of first I heard about it was um, today, actually, when it, when it kind of dropped this morning. Um, yeah, it's, it's a huge appointment for Cork Camogie and they're obviously looking to go all out next year um, and it's good to see as well you know a high profile hurling manager um, going into the camogie scene as well um, I know a lot of people mightn't be Davy's biggest fan but he's still a top manager um, and it is it is really good to see that um, you know a top hurling manager is going into camogie as well and it should really help to elevate the, the status of the game as well and you know wherever Davy goes he brings the media attention and he brings the hype and the drama and stuff. And, you know, for good or bad, that will, that will raise the profile of Camogie. And 
you know, obviously wish them all the best and the Cork ladies the best um, and hopefully it makes for interesting championship next year. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Cork were kind of on a rebuilding curve. I'm trying to think of the manager that's gone in. He was working with Paddy Murray. Um, you know me, I'm terrible with names. I know the people, but I just can't put a name to him. But um, yeah, it was some uh, coop there. And yeah, after meeting Davy a couple of times, he's um, he seems a really genuine, nice person. Um, whatever um happens on the sideline is kind of completely different to what he is away from it but um on a personal level um i i don't want to see it working because um you want to see kilkenny doing well um across the board being involved previously and known players well and all of that but um yeah it's a really high profile appointment there and uh there's going to be some interesting battles. Cork got the better of Kilkenny last year and came up short against Galway in all Ireland. So be interesting times there. And yeah, we wish him best with um with gritted teeth. But <laughs> there's another announcement actually. I'm just after spotting it there now. It's a new up and coming manager. He was around the leash football circuit. Uh, Billy O'Loughlin is appointed as Longford football manager. And as anyone knows, Longford are uh, a decent side and um, had a good success again in the likes of the Auburn Cup and that um, they were a bogey team for Dublin and that. And they were never really that too far off in the Leinster Championship as well. So it'd be interesting um, appointment there for Longford. Um, he's a son of... Uh, former lease selector Declan O'Loughlin, who you owned O'Loughlin Ho- Hotel in Port Leash, that was selector under Mick O'Dwyer as well. So, uh, another managerial uh, appointment this week as well. Uh, we move on, Robbie, and there was some club championship action over the weekend. Uh, the replay of the Tip Hurling County Final, where John McGrath got the winning score for the second week in a row. Uh, last week it was in the football for his club. And also, uh, Clock Balacola of Leash got their first victory in the Leinster Club Championship as well against Rapporteurs of Wexford as well. They emerged winners there by uh, eight points, I think, off of memory. So, yeah, it was uh, an interesting club circuit over the weekend. Yeah, it was good. And uh, that's the double for Lockmore as well. Um, you know, as you were kind of mentioning, Last week, I think, you know, they're a small club or small area, um, small pick of players, if you know what I mean. So yeah. it's, you know, it's phenomenal um, to see them win in both the, the football and the hurling. Um, and I'm just even looking at um, another page on Instagram, is the Premier View podcast, and they were kind of pointing out that there's been five different winners in the last five years of the Tipperary Hurling Championship. So it's a really competitive one. So I know you see in in some counties you see like you know you've got Bally Gunner who win the Waterford one the whole time and you know just just there's a few different clubs that tend to winish a lot you know a few years in a row you have Bally Hale and Kilkenny at the minute and stuff like that so it's good to see you know a really really competitive uh, championship as well um, and I was just actually just reading before we came on there that Noel McGrath he scored the winning point in the 2007 Munster Hurling final as uh, he was a free taker and he was only 16 years of age um, so it's uh, some achievement from him so and and, and some longevity as well um, to be like at the top of his game for that long for, for club and county you know 
Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, just mentioning there the different winners of the Tipperary uh, Club Championship over the past seven years. I mean, that's boding well for Declan Bonner going in there as well. Like through Grit of Teeth, actually, it's Matthew Toomey worked with Paddy Murray. Apologies to Matthew if he's listening. Um, I forgot your name. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's teeing up for a really interesting championship. The The draws came out last week as well, and it sees Kilkenny travelling to face Galway on the Maybank holiday weekend next year, sees Brian Cody against Henry Shefflin as well. But going back to Declan Bonner, I mean, with the, what would you say, with the close clashes in the Tipperary Senior Club Championship this year, it really bodes well and... Do you think Tipperary could be the team other Galway are highly fancied with Henry Shefflin there, but do you think Tip could win back to All Ireland for the first time since twenty nineteen or could Brian Cody's cats uh, claim it back for the first time since twenty fifteen? Yeah, I suppose like you ha- you have to kind of think for for the likes of Limerick who are the, the number one team, is it possible to keep it going? again next year and it looks very likely but I suppose it does get harder and harder to keep winning uh, titles um, as Kilkenny know you know four in a row is not an easy easily one thing and they, they won like a two in a row and then were stopped by Cork and they had the whole thing so it's it's not an easy thing to do and sometimes counties do just rise up against all odds and do um, win in All-Ireland sometimes out of nowhere as well but um yeah, so like Tip are a very strong county. They are in a bit of a rebuilding sort of phase. Um, but sometimes you never know when you when you when you drop a, a good few young lads into the mix and they have no fear and they just go for it. And sometimes they can outperform maybe even the veterans that have been there for a long time as well. You know, you, you see that with the uh, Mayo brought a lot of um, young guys through there recently, and they did that didn't really have a drop in performance. Um, and got all the way to the All Ireland final as well, and beat Dublin and stuff like that with a lot of young guys as well. Um, so yeah, like sometimes teams in transition, and when they get like a new man in and like fresh blood into on, onto the field as well, that can that can be great as well. Um, I do think probably you know it depends on how how much the Henry factor is in Galway. Um, I suppose Kilkenny are always going to be knocking there thereabouts. Um, you just, I felt maybe that, that tactically to Kilkenny were maybe left short a bit last year. Uh, they kind of kept pumping high balls in and they kept getting turned over. Um, and the ball was sailing over TJ Reid's uh, head for, there was a good 15 minutes when they just pumped balls all over his head. And I'm sure he's one of the best guys in in the country to catch a high ball. So it just didn't really seem to make a lot of sense. So I know, I think it's probably still Limericks to, to lose. Um, but yeah, I think probably maybe even Cork could be the the number one contender possibly. Yeah, no, Cork were really the what would you say the emerging team they were showing it last year. I mean, similar to a kind of a young Kilkenny side back in the late nineties, early two thousands. It took them a while to adjust, and with the youth and experience. Uh, maybe the same goes you have to lose one to win one um but yeah it's a really interesting championship actually before we move on there's another um kind of a managerial team announcement today as well and this really took um 
me by surprise, I won't lie to you. Uh, Liam Sheedy is linking up with the Monaghan Senior Footballers next year. He'll be joining Donny Buckley, uh, who went in at the end of 2020, joining Seamus McEnany's team. Um, do you think it's a risk, Robbie, or do you think it's a good appointment because Liam Sheedy wouldn't be known for his football prowess? I mean... Um, but do you think the winning mentality that he had with Tipperary could bode well? Monaghan are always a decent team in the senior football championship. So do you think that could be the missing link to uh, win back Dulster title? Yeah, well, I suppose he wouldn't be probably going in for his football expertise. Now, I don't really know. Obviously, he probably has a good idea about football. Um, obviously, not long compared to his hurling uh, knowledge. Um but I'd say if he's going in there, it's probably more as like a motivator or maybe instilling like a, a winning mentality. Like he's he's man, he's um he's won all Ireland's. Um so like and sometimes when you have that sort of a voice in the dressing room of a, of a person, like that belief factor, you know, like maybe possibly if you were to take like Joe Schmidt as an example in the in the Ireland rugby uh, setup, that he brought in a lot of belief and a winning mentality and maybe like an all black sort of um, winning, winning uh, and, and perfection sort of um, seeking in a perfection. Um, if you know what I mean, that maybe wasn't there in Irish rugby for a long time. So sometimes it takes a voice like that to come in and to in, instill a bit of fresh impetus. And, you know, I'm sure like in, in Liam Sheedy's Tipperary, there was never like a backward step taken um, in yeah, terms no. of, trying to win in all Ireland, you know, so, and, you know, Monaghan, they've, they've, as you're saying, they've been pushing the envelope for a good few years and never really been able to get over the line. Um, and they're obviously a team that's, that's training every bit as hard as the top, top teams, you know, so sometimes maybe it's just that little bit of a mental X factor. Um, so I'd say if he's going in there, that's probably what it's more going to be about um, than actually his, you know, football knowledge, if you get me. Yeah, um, just before we move on, do you think, say, we were mentioning Davy Fitz there, Donny Buckley went up to Monaghan, like I was saying last year, and now Liam Sheedy. Do you think that takes the folks away a bit from the players and that could play to the benefit because you have a high-profile management team there that maybe the more the pressure is on them to get the best out of the team than the players actually to perform on the field, if that makes sense. Do you think that all the attention will be on the the high-profile uh, calibre that's within the management team and that could take away the pressure from the players on the pitch? Yeah, I think it could. I think more than likely it would actually build a bit of pressure um, because like these guys are going in there to win and... Like it might take a little bit of pressure off to a certain degree, but over time, if the results don't go well, then the pressure will start to mount, and the yeah. the big management ticket will start to feel it as well, and they might be putting pressure on the players, and you know then there might be a bit of discontent. So it can work both ways, but it always depends on the results. If the results are going right, then everything is happy, and if the results are going wrong, then the pressure will start to build in a big way. Yeah, no, that's very true. <laughs> very true. Um, yeah, no, it's all winning. Yeah, no, I've been involved. I was involved with successful, and I've been. Um, yeah, there was an article years ago came out that made me laugh. Actually, that um, uh, I was involved with a high profile and was high caliber and all of that, and it was a real surprise to me. So yeah, I know where, 
I know what you mean, Vida. Anyway, uh, that's that's me finished on that for the moment. Uh, we move on anyway, Robbie, to the picks of the week, and I let you uh, take it away. Yeah, so just for listen to a good bit of music, and I've listened to a good bit of Matchbox Twenty. Matchbox Twenty. Um, now, if you don't know Matchbox Twenty, the lead singer guy is the guy who did the song "Smooth" with Santana. Rob's Rob. Um, Rob Thomas. Um, so, like, he's a brilliant singer and the songs are just really well done as well and great lyrics as well. And I know I'm probably a bit late to the party with this next one, but I listened to a good bit of Dermot Kennedy. I know, like, everyone's like, oh my God, Dermot Kennedy. We know about him already. And, you know, I just never really gave him that, that much of a chance. Uh, but I have been listening to a lot of his stuff. And one song that really, I think, exemplifies his kind of talents is he did a cover of... Nothing Else Matters uh, by Metallica. Uh, you can get that on Spotify or you can get it on YouTube or whatever. And he just does a really kind of alternative take of the song. And he just sounds absolutely brilliant as well. So that would be my kind of musical picks. And then just on Netflix, I've, I was watching uh, Cape Fear last night. It's a Scorsese movie with uh, Robert De Niro and Nick Nolte. It's a bit of an all-star sort of cast. Um so Robert De Niro plays um, like an ex-con and he's got a bit of an axe to grind against uh, Nick Nolte. And yeah, he seems like quite, a, quite um, a crazy character in it. So I can't wait to see where this one goes. So it's uh, Cape Fear. Uh, that's on Netflix as well. Yeah, no, I, I kind of like Nick Nolte as an actor. I know he wouldn't be the most popular with a lot of people, but I kind of... I like him as an actor. Um, so, yeah, 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 I must check out that, actually. Um, yeah, I'm going kind of a musical aspect as well this week. Um, I have to mention Christmas FM is after launching again on Sunday, and it's a really a sign of what's coming around the corner when Christmas FM launches as well. Um, I was involved a bit in the background this year, and I was involved with training with him as well. So, um wish all the presenters and everyone well there and it's uh, for a great charity as well they do great work there as well and um, so wish the best luck and uh, for the listeners it's available on fm all around ireland if you're listening in kilkenny i know it's 104.3 and actually i was involved with a radio station years ago that broadcasts on 104.3 so maybe that's a lucky omen but yeah to be online until i think it's a couple of days after christmas usually around the 28 or that so definitely check that out um yeah as everyone knows i kind of have a cheesy music taste as well and um, so i was listening to a bit of adele's new album as well 30 and yeah there's some good songs on it um and uh, the song Easy On Me and uh, To Be Loved, I think, are two cracking songs, but they may not be to everyone's cup of tea. So there's a caveat there that I have a really cheesy music taste as well. Um, so they're the picks this week. I wasn't really watching much more than what I mentioned already. I'm still watching YouTube and all of that. And I still have to, I meant to watch it the other night, but got distracted was the new tiger king as well that you mentioned last week robbie so that's definitely on the bucket list for when i have a few days off this week 
Um, we move on anyway to the Ballon d'Or, and that was announced last night. Lionel Messi got his seventh award, and unfortunately, there were news broke today that Lionel Messi took ill actually after the awards ceremony last night. So he wish we wish him a speedy recovery. I don't know what um happened, but um he's just a terrific player. Um, just one question on that, not to take away from his achievement, Robbie. Do you think that's kind of sewn in every year? It's going to be either him or uh, Ronaldo are going to get it for the next couple of years until they retire. I know Ronaldo isn't having the best of times at United, but it's kind of sewn up already Like before it's announced. Yeah. I, know, I don't know if you've seen the picture. It was on Instagram earlier on, and it was like, every year the the person who won it was like kind of they're all kind of standing in a row and it was like Ronaldo, Messi, 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 Ronaldo, 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 Messi, Ronaldo. And then it was like Modric was there. <laughs> yeah. And it was like that was kind of like the, the one anomaly that Modric won it that year. Um yeah, I suppose like you know, is it a bit of a popularity contest contest as well? I know like Lewandowski had like great numbers. Um yeah. You know, I suppose that they do take into account maybe if you win like international or if you win Champions League. Um, you know, like he didn't do like Barcelona didn't have a great season. Um, and then this season so far, he's only got three goals. Uh, and Lewandowski for the 2021 22 season has 22 goals already. <laughs> um, so like I, it's a it's kind of maybe hard. They, they probably do want to give it to Messi or Ronaldo. And like, let's be honest, they're probably two of the greatest players of all time. Um, Bush, are they the best players on the planet right now? Like maybe, like is Haaland, um, Haaland, is he like a better player at the minute? He's like banging in goals, left, right and centre for Dortmund. Um, you know, so, and like maybe like, I know Jorginho was kind of in the conversation. A lot of people were saying he shouldn't have been, but he did win the Euros and he won the Champions League. So, like, if you're going on achievements, he was probably the most, um, the player that achieved the most, really, um, this year, you know, the way. So, a lot of people were giving out that maybe he's not the best player. So, it's always, it always depends on how are you judging it. Are you judging it by how successful they were, or are you judging it by the actual just raw talent? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a kind of hard one. And look, was it Messi? He won Copa America, so that was a bit of a monkey to he had to get off his back to win an international tournament as well. So like I suppose like once he did that, they were always probably gonna give it to him. Um you know, like he's like he's obviously one of the greatest, and so is Ronaldo. They're probably top one or top two, depending on who you're talking to. Um so, well, yeah, they, they do kind of have it sewn up. It is a bit of a popularity contest. I think people, they would try and give another one to Ronaldo if they could. Um, but probably not looking very likely at United. Um, but, um, <laughs> Sorry, especially, Roy, especially as Roy Keane seems to think that they should be just winning Ethic Cups and not going for a Premier League or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, they do kind of have it sewn up. It is a bit of a popularity contest. Um, but I think they should have a better you know, a less kind of wishy-washy way of judging it because they'll always just try and give it to Messi or Ronaldo either way. Yeah, like if you look at it, I mean, and taking the Liverpool by yourself, and I make that completely clear, 
you look at listen to an awful lot of independent pundits is saying uh, Salah is probably one of the best players around at the moment for his record but yet he finished seventh and I would agree before you said it Lewandowski and uh, sorry for the pronunciation I'm terrible but I mean the record he had and the goals he scored and then win the Champions League as well I mean that's what made me think I, I think he would have maybe been deserving but yeah you can't take away like you're saying the raw skill that the likes of Messi has I mean it's his um, yeah, who could you argue that Messi is in? He's in uh, the French league now, so that kind of downgrade his chances of winning it again. Yeah, no, that's a valid point. That's a valid point, and he doesn't. Even though he's getting, like, he is creating magic and all of that, he wouldn't be at the same heights that he would have been when you could say Barcelona were at their prime, but. I mean, it's the moments of magic as well, like, and that's where, um, I don't know, I don't know, I'm kind of split on it, like, if it was, I, I think, I think they are better, I won't say more skillful players, but they are an awful lot of players are after putting in terrific seasons, um, and putting in good displays, but maybe, as we're saying, maybe it's just the name, and it's so easy, I mean, if you'd look back at a GEA context, there are certain players you know are going to make an all-star team. And that's that's just a son in fact like. Um so it's it'd be an interesting discussion. Um but <clears throat> we can take away from the magic that he, he can do. But um yeah, we wish I wouldn't say he'd be listening now, but we wish um Messi. <laughs> yeah, I know definitely. Uh, in other soccer news, Manchester United have their interim manager, um, uh, Ragnick. He's um, going to take over, I think, from this weekend. And he's also signing a two-year contract as uh, in an advisory capacity to Manchester United as well. R- Ralph Ragnick, um, Jurgen Klopp and Tuchel were apprentices of his. So high profile even though I won't lie to you he wouldn't have been a name that I would have heard too often even though he has some uh, managerial record he was in charge of Red Bull Leipzig um, for a few years as well preceding Manchester United do you think this could be the person to come in and shake things up and get Manchester United back on track yeah he's definitely going to make them um, I know like people have talked about his pressing uh, style and stuff like that but um, I've I seen I think I put it up on the Instagram story there it was like that United were like 20th or 19th in a lot of stats that was to do with tackling and you know closing people down and that Leipzig were like either one or two in all of these stats so he's definitely going to have a major overhaul of that sort of style um, now I don't think Ronaldo is going to press um, and he probably shouldn't anyway because he's Ronaldo but uh, you're probably going to have the other nine outfield players um, doing a big huge uh, sort of press um, so yeah, I imagine he, he will he will overhaul the United style um, and we're kind of joking that Carrick was going to start doing a pressing thing and then like at the weekend against Chelsea, they were like the average position was for all the players was in their own half. Um, 
And I think Eric Bailly was like nearly like a second goalkeeper in his position in the stats. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it is it is going to be a big change at United. Um, and my son is a United fan. So hopefully, hopefully for him, they can kind of start playing better because he's getting a little, a little sad and a little depressed at watching them lose the whole time. Yeah, I know. It's like growing up as a Liverpool fan for a couple of years. So, yeah, I know. Um, but in all fairness, leaving bias aside and rivalry and all of that, the, the league needs Manchester United at top form. Um, they really do. I mean, it's kind of gone only for Chelsea this year. It would have been maybe a two-team shootout again, which was the case for the past six or seven years between Liverpool and Man City. Man City obviously edging that over the years under Guardiola. But um, Chelsea look the ones to knock off the perch this year. But um, do you think it's kind of a short-term vision? I mean, they're bringing in a high profile and like they're doing, but it's only till the end of the season. And how many games is left maybe 20 to 22 games, something about that. Like, I know he's coming in as an advisor capacity, but do you, would you not like someone there kind of a, 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 as, say, if you're a Manchester United supporter, have someone there in the long term, not someone coming in steady in the shape. They could, could get things back on track. He's there as an advisor. And then all the pressures on the new manager if they don't continue the good ways, if... Ragnick's able to get him back in the good ways, like. Yeah, I suppose like at the United, United there's always going to be massive pressure uh, either way, no matter who you come and you can't get much more pressure than coming in after Alex Ferguson, like David Moyes had. So, um, yeah, I think like if Ragnick goes well, they're 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 still probably going to get somebody else because they're Man United and they want to get someone like a, like a Pochettino or likes a Zidane. Uh, to come in there and manage them, so you know, like, like I never even heard of Ragnick before, before the other day. So yeah, I think Man United they definitely want someone who's a big name to come in and lead them forward. Um, but hopefully, hopefully for United that Ragnick can have a good effect and get them more competitive. Um, and you know they are becoming a bit of a banter club at the minute, Man United. So hopefully for United fans, you can kind of change your fortunes. But um. Yeah, I think either way, they're like United are just trying to get to the end of the season now with decent results, maybe win a few cups, and then bring in the big manager next year. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a valid point. Actually, before we move on um, from Premier League soccer, and we're going to Stephen Kenny, there talks that the FAI had a long board meeting in the past few days. And there's some sort of kind of certainty that Stephen Kenny will be offered a contract. They don't know if there's not an out there, whether it be long or short term. Just on the base of the, say, the past month or so, do you think Stephen Kenny would deserve a long term contract? Or should they do what Liam Brady says, give him till next summer, see how the Nations League goes and then make a decision? Yeah, I think myself that the Stephen Kenny thing is like a long-term plan and we need to give him time for it to work. And I don't, I don't think results have been great. Um, and I think things are kind of starting to show sort of green shoots at the minute. Um, and I think we should really, really like give him time. Yeah. Because, you know, like Irish soccer isn't a great place and it needs time and it needs care. And he's definitely the man. He has a, a huge 
love for Irish soccer and he like I I do think he is the man to lead us forward and to instill a good bit of change into the Irish soccer culture. Uh like he seems a very kind of pure of heart sort of guy and I think we kind of need someone like that rather than some sort of a uh, mercenary manager who's going to come in and get us kind of quick short-term results but not do anything for Irish soccer. So I think, you know, over the last maybe, you know, probably since the Jack Charlton era that Irish soccer hasn't been given much kind of love and attention to help it grow and be better. And I think that Stephen Kenny is the guy to do that. So, you know, rightly or wrongly, I think he should get a, you know, a long-term deal and put his stamp on Irish soccer. And then if that doesn't work out, then we just double down on being like a long ball team <laughs> and, yeah. and scoring headers from corners. And we just say, right, that's all we're good at. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. I would have been split on it. And then you could see, as you say, kind of green shoots there. And I mean, over the past, what, you could say near decade now, you had managers coming in saying, here, we're just not good enough to play the ball. And, I mean, you look at the night in Paris, um, Ireland played terrific stuff and the time they beat Germany in the Viva Stadium with Shane Long goal. I mean, it just shows, I know Germany dominated that game, but still Ireland had the bottle uh, to go on and win that game. And they got a draw over in Germany at that time as well. So it shows... At that time, we did kind of, we could play, but yeah, it's great to see kind of a shining light like Stephen Kenny saying here, yeah, we're good enough to to be able to compete. So yeah, I'd agree with you on that, Robbie. Uh, before we move on, actually, before we move on to a row that's after developing between two former Premier League players, Ireland's women national team defeated Georgia tonight 11-0. It was a record for the Irish team. Their previous record was winning 9-0. So it's terrific for Vera Power's side to bounce back from a disappointing one-all draw against Slovakia last week to win 11-0. And they're right back second in the table behind Sweden. I know Sweden have a better points record over the Irish, but still Ireland have a better goal-scoring record. After that win tonight, um, did you get a chance to see any of the game, Robbie? No, I didn't actually even get to see it, uh, unfortunately. But I'll definitely watch back, uh, watch back all the goals and fair play to them. Uh, fantastic result, really. Yeah, and uh, the one good thing about it was um, there was a lot of um, now nearly all the team is homegrown, but um, there was a lot of um, team or sorry, lot of players that play in the national women's league in Ireland as well. So it's terrific to see that. And then the likes of Katie McCabe, Denise O'Sullivan and all of that were just terrific as well. So uh, onwards and upwards, they have a break now till next year. Uh, so hopefully that can give a boost. I think they have to play Sweden away and Finland at home, I think. And then there's a couple of other games as well. Uh, we move on, Robbie, and there's a row after developing between Rio, Ferd- or, sorry, Rio Ferdinand and Jamie Carragher, and it was over comments that Roy Keane made over uh, their one-all draw, Manchester United's one-all draw with Chelsea on Sunday. Um, is this kind of the Mick McCarthy, Roy Keane kind of thing? What side would you be on? Do you think Rio Ferdinand's right or Jamie Carragher? 
Yeah, I suppose uh, Rio was saying that because Jamie Carrick has never won the league, that he's no right to be talking about what it takes to win a league. Um, so I was kind of interested in, in it from that point of view that, like, you know, yeah. obviously Jamie Carragher has played in the Premier League for a long time and he won a lot of trophies at Liverpool and he came close to winning the Premier League uh, a good few times, you know. So I do think that, you know, it's not fair to just throw it at him that he, he doesn't know what it takes to win a Premier League. Like, fair enough, he hasn't won one. Um, but, like, you know, if you were to change places with Rio and Carragher, maybe... You know, Rio wouldn't have won one and maybe Carragher would have won a few, like, you know, so I think it can be circumstance as well. And, you know, probably like say Carragher and Liverpool probably didn't like didn't tra- they trained as much as Man United at the time. Like, and they just were just up against a juggernaut really in United at the time. So, um, yeah, I think I don't think it's fair for Rio to say that. Um, I think Carragher, he's a, he's a he's a brilliant analyst and he does kind of say things as he sees it like and like fair enough he does have his Liverpool hat on sometimes for sure that's the same with all pundits really in another way um, from yeah. their former clubs and stuff like that so yeah I definitely think he should be able to talk about winning league titles and what it takes um, you know because he maybe he hasn't won one but he does he does know the level of commitment that it takes like in another way and he was very, very close a few times um, to winning one like you know so what do you think? Should he be in the conversation or? Yeah, or no? No, I, I, I mean, leaving the Liverpool bias behind, I, I, I rate uh, Jamie character, uh, Jamie Carragher as a pundit. Um, I think he's very fair, and to be fair, over the past difficult period with for Manchester United with uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think he showed more, what would you say, decorum towards Manchester United than some of the former players did. And that they should, in other words, maybe put Ole out of his misery, which they eventually did. And he was on about what ambition Manchester United should have. I mean, if... I mean, if you were looking at it, Manchester United shouldn't be in the position they're in at the moment. And they they may be factors, and I think they are factors beyond uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's uh, grade in a sense. I think the entire club need to look at the way it's been run. I mean, for one of the richest soccer clubs in the world, if not the richest, one of the most successful as well, um, to be performing the way they are. and for Rio to be sometimes hopping on the bandwagon. I mean, there was one time Oli was at the wheel offer him a long-term contract. You see what happened out of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, leaving the Liverpool bias behind, I mean, I would highly rate Carragher. He was a hero when he was playing for Liverpool. He didn't get success. But it's like someone that didn't win in All-Ireland. You just don't keep firing that at him. And it seems kind of petty that that's been dragged into the debate. Um, there were some comments, you could say, by Roy Keane last year saying that Liverpool were bad champions and all of that. There was a bad string of results. And I know, being a Liverpool fan at the time, you would have been frustrated. But now you look at the injury chaos that happened. Manchester United didn't have that at the time they signed good players. You look at Van de Beek, I mean, I, I don't know why he's not playing. Um, brought in Ronaldo and just 
he's rescuing games for him, but he doesn't put in the work and all of that. So I know I'm gone slightly off from the Rio Carragher thing, but I think there's slight attitude there from former players that had high success that they kind of don't understand when you don't have success. And maybe that's where I would um, come siding with Carragher leaving the Liverpool boys aside. Um, but I said we'll keep rumbling on and things won't change overnight over there. They will be a boost, but they are a few players there for Manchester United that need a, a good kick, being honest, a good kick in Dars, the likes of Maguire, um, Ronaldo slightly, he needs to do more. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how that happens because um, Roy Keane said that the players that threw Mourinho under the bus threw Ole under the bus as well. Only Ole was at the wheel of the bus for a while. So be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, talking about Ronaldo, Robbie, their draw for the the qualification for the World or sorry, it's the World Cup. Um, World Cup, yeah. World Cup, yes. Yeah, sorry, lost track with the years. <laughs> I was going to say the European Championships were only last year. Yeah, uh, the World Cup sees Italy facing Portugal with one of the sides that uh, would have had high success. Um, in previous competitions, Portugal, of course, uh, champions of Europe a few year ago. Um, it's a mouthwater and tie. How do you see it going? And it's hard. Well, I think to they have to that. win. They have to win their kind of opening game first, and then they play each other. If you know what I mean. But uh, oh, I think they're playing. Yeah. They're playing relatively weak teams, and I yeah. suppose it, it does mean that. Um, Either either Italy, the European champions, or potentially it's Ronaldo is going to miss out on his last World Cup. Um, so either way, it's going to be you know quite a big team going out in the in the qualifying or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I kind of want to see Ronaldo at the World Cup. Now I do have a real soft spot for Italy um, and Italian football in general. Um, I think they're a great great nation and very passionate and stuff like that. But I just think that we want to see Ronaldo at another World Cup um, for the last time. I think that's that's kind of what I want. You want to see him there on the big stage, and maybe him and Messi going toe to toe in you know a winner take all match in the final or whatever. That would be just you know absolutely box office TV to watch those two going at it uh, in the final or whatever. So I'm going to be a little bit biased and say I want Portugal to get through, but I think maybe that the Italian squad is a little bit more stronger and maybe in, in knockout football that kind of suits the Italian style rather than like a league format and stuff like that. So, you know, they're quite dogged. Um, so I think Italy will win, but I hope Portugal will go through. Yeah, I, I take the opposite side this time. Um, I kind of like Italy to go through. I, I have a graph firm and... Um, they missed out on the last World Cup as well. Am I wrong or am I right in that? I think yeah, they did. Actually, was the first first in either ever or in a very long time. Yeah, I I, I remember hearing it. I, I, it's just brain isn't working lately. <laughs> I don't know why, but I remember. Yeah, they missed out on the last one, and for a team that is after winning and the players that they had throughout the decades. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, Italy showed 
their quality and win the European Championship and yeah, leaving the what would you say seeing Ronaldo making another World Cup uh, as you say most likely his last one um, yeah I, I still like to see Italy rain on the parade I won't lie to you and I think Italy but uh, I think it will be a really close tie as you say they do have to um, go through the 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 lower grade teams before that but um, yeah I'd fancy Italy to progress through Um and the main thing is, uh, chatting before that, if Stephen Kenny gets a long-term contract, hopefully we can be looking at the 2026 World Cup anyway, that Ireland will be there. It'll be their first time since 2002. So, um, yeah, hopefully. 24 year, actually, in 2026 if Ireland qualifies. So, um Hopefully there won't be a debate if Ireland do qualify like it was in 2002 anyway. Yeah, yeah. I was doing my junior start at the time, actually. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was doing junior start in 2002. And I remember I missed uh, Robbie Keane's goal against Germany because I had to go back for English paper too. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so. I, was, I actually done mine in 2003, but I was working in a supermarket when I was in school. Mm. And um, I was lucky to be able to see Matt Holland's goal against Cameroon for the one-all draw. And mm. yeah, I was lucky to see it all. But uh, yeah, we're, we're allowed to wear our Ireland jerseys into work. That's what I remember around that time. So it was, it was about cool. what? I was 14, 15, sorry. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's hard to believe that it'd be nearly drawn to pension if before Ireland qualify again, but hopefully. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they get there again. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, brings us on to the next topic, Robbie, and not to be depressing, but the news going all around as depressing as it is, is the new Omicron COVID variant that was discovered in South Africa. Uh, people are concerned about it just looking at the television at the moment in the background Stephen Donnelly's on talking about it um, there's talks by the GP over in South Africa the doctor that discovered it saying that symptoms are mild and all of that but there are new restrictions coming into Ireland with uh, over nines uh, which surround her class having to wear face masks and also I think one of the blunders of the century um, yesterday saying that uh, children should be discouraged from going to Pantos. Parents and adults should just go instead. So what do you think, Robbie? Do you think they could be possibly drama over nothing as happens every time there's a new variant and there's just, what would you say, a love within the media of putting out the... the worst case scenario yeah definitely um i actually heard on during the week there on i think it was on matt cooper show during the week i think it could have been actually last friday actually and there was two guys on and they were talking about covid situation and they were saying that they'd been to other countries recently and that ireland is like still obsessed with covid yeah Whereas the other countries have maybe moved on a bit. Maybe it's kind of changed in the last 48 hours with this new variant or whatever. But, um, you know, that we are still very much, you know, like living day to day with the whole COVID scenario, whereas other countries have actually moved on a bit. 
Um, yeah, so I think we are we are a bit obsessed with the whole COVID situation, and mainly it's due to the fact that we don't have the capacity in our hospitals, and that's due to like under under investment for generations, really. Um, but like the thing is, you know, I don't know. At a certain point, we do have to kind of start living our lives and stuff like that, and it does seem that like at the minute children are being targeted in terms of that they're the biggest spreaders or whatever. Um, you know, I think the whole masks for third class and up is, you know, it's a bit ridiculous. Um, it's a bit late like we, as well, Robbie, is it? Yeah, like this is the point is like we've gotten this far without doing that. Uh, and probably the actual benefit is going to be probably reasonably negligible, I'd say, um, in terms of stopping the spread. You know, you've got like such a highly, you know, vaccinated population, and you know, like compared to previous times, we didn't have any vaccine, and they weren't doing this for kids. So I don't, I don't really know if it's going to be the huge sort of, you know, X factor that they, they're hoping. Uh, maybe clutching at straws a bit, to be honest with you. Um, like my one of my daughters is in third class. I'm not really happy that she has to wear a mask. To be honest with you. Um, yeah. Like I don't, I don't think there's going to be a huge benefit to the situation, um, and I think they're just kind of more of just trying to seem to be doing stuff um, without actually maybe stopping stopping the problem, or whatever. Like you know, like I know, is it in the US they're kind of stopping people leave, stopping people coming in from certain countries? Like, is that not the real way to stop? A new variant getting into the country like you know or am i a bit mad <laughs> that yeah. you know and i think like i don't know very very early in this pandemic like march 2020 we probably should have closed our borders you know i know it's quite politically sensitive but you know it would be very easy for us to do it like take an all ireland approach possibly or even between ireland and the uk take a a dual island approach to try and keep it out um but like people have been able to travel freely back and forward and stuff so yeah i think like and as well like you've got like stadiums full of people and all this sort of stuff and they're trying to like maybe keep going with the stuff that makes a lot of money whereas they're maybe targeting the stuff just to tick boxes in terms of like kids with masks and that sort of stuff so yeah and the whole pant the whole uh christmas panto thing like they're those things are for kids so like the fact that kids shouldn't go to them is you know it's a bit ridiculous to be honest with you so like and what adults in their right mind would just go to a panto on their own like in a way um so yeah it seems a bit ridiculous to me yeah no i can't disagree with anything you said um personally if they introduce masks uh, for students that were going to school and kids at the start or last year or whatever i would have seen here fair enough but i mean it's it's a bit like the case with the uh, antigen testing and all of that it's just it's coming across as mismanagement i know no one goes out to intentionally do a bad job but they just every week they seem to be something last weekend there were meant to be subs subsidies for antigen testing this week it's been taken away only for little uh, who were slated uh, by philip nolan out in effort for selling snake oil 
uh, they reduced the prices and then others seemed to reduce the prices along with it. And one thing that popped into my head, and I don't mean to turn ultra political on it, we seem to be a nation that loved to be oppressed in a sense that during the economic crisis back from 2008, we're the one country that without really mass protests, we kind of accepted the pain of austerity and all of that. And we seem to be kind of loving to kind of cause fear, if that makes sense. And I know it is after costing too many lives and all of that, but I just think the investigations that might come from this would be interesting. It could really be interesting, but I have a real difficulty now at this late stage, in other words, kind of blaming kids for causing transmission when it, all along it was said that schools were safe. That um, Stephen Donnelly said that you had more of a risk from a trampoline, kids on a trampoline than from the virus. And now they're saying here, kids have to wear masks. So that's where, even though I wouldn't have had difficulty, I do have a slight difficulty with it now, even though I have no kids. But be interesting to see what happens. But I have a feeling, Robbie, we will be facing more restrictions over Christmas. I can't see an opportunity for people to be able to go out have a pint over Christmas. There will be something done to do it. And I think until maybe early next year, we could be under some sort of restrictions. Yeah, probably could be going to another lockdown, but um, I know fingers crossed we don't. Yeah, no, definitely. And the one good thing about it is hospitalizations seem to be um, staying stable and um, ICU numbers seem to be staying stable as well. Now, that's no comfort to the people that are in ICU or the families of the people, but that's the one good thing. We haven't seen, seen enormous numbers going in and long may that continue. Anyway, we move on, Robbie, and I think it brings us to brilliantly into the next topic that you suggested. I won't lie, I never heard of it. And it's Wally and the Metaverse. Um, so I never heard of it until you told me about it tonight. So I let you take it away. So I don't know if you've, well, TJ hasn't seen the film Wally anyway, but it's about um, a futuristic Earth where all the humans are living off planet. And they're basically, you know, they're hooked up to TV screens and they're just kind of being fed, you know, food and just kind of sitting and watching their the screen. And they just, they don't really care about anything else. And then there was the image of the people in the metaverse um, with Mark Zuckerberg in the background. And it was just like, it was very eerie sort of uh, comparison to Wally or whatever. Um, so... Just I, I showed you the image after TJ. So do you think we're kind of heading towards a a dystopian future where everyone's just kind of stuck in front of a screen and just being fed food and they're just quite uh, not living a, a very human existence? Well, judging on what's after happening in our previous discussion, and I leave it at that, I think we are. Um, because... Um, yeah, I I really do. I kind of fear for the future, since not to be depressing it because this should be funny. 
But uh, yeah, no, I, I think we are. I mean, most of the... You go on to the likes of Twitter every day, you see what's happening and see the way people are being brainwashed and some of the conspiracy theories and everything's out there. We seem to love to be fed um, misinformation at times. And uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. I don't know what way we're going to emerge from this pandemic. Like I was saying, I, I honestly believe we will be in a better position next year. I don't think it will be because of political. I think it will be the scientific world will save everything. But at the moment, it feels like we're in a metaverse as it is, being honest. <laughs> so um, it's definitely a film I'm going to want to see. And watch, but um, yeah, it's on Disney. Just I just looked it up there. Wally is on Disney there, so if you want to watch it, <laughs> yeah, I know definitely. I know I put it to the top of me thousand film list that I have to watch. <laughs> it's uh, from two thousand eight, so probably uh, not when you would have watched back then. Probably, yeah, I know. I like I was saying, I'd be very. Uh, traditional in some of the viewing I do um, if you watch some of the programs I watch they're from maybe 70s 80s early 2000s kind of that way so uh, maybe I come into the the new century and watch the latest um, and now even what talking about 2008 that's 13 years ago depressingly so uh, yeah I'll definitely check it out but yeah it's an interesting thing and I mean, there's another topic for a discussion that we could have in times to come. Will robots take over the world as well? Um, well yeah. Well, we might get into that a bit later, maybe. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, Could be your face on a robot. <laughs> I don't think anyone would want to see that, I guarantee you. No one, <laughs> no one can send me face on the body I have at the moment, so yeah. I love that. Uh, we move on to another interesting character, Robbie, and it's another brilliant topic. Fair play to you. Uh, Kim Jong-un uh, bans leather jackets to stop people stealing his look. So just in case we might have any interference on the podcast because name mentioned or anything, what the hell's going on with this? Yeah, it does seem to be like, you know, next level sort of paranoia really or... <laughs> people are going to steal your look. I suppose this is what happens when, you know, you've been just kind of treated a certain way for your entire life and you have, you've been treated like a God and you just have the power to just do whatever the hell you want. Um, yeah, it's a bit mad. I suppose like maybe begs the question, if you were to stop people wearing something that you wear, what would you pick? Chiss, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's one thing I got fierce slagging for years ago and I actually liked I got a pair of tracksuit bottoms for an All-Ireland now they wore a bit tight and maybe I didn't have the body to pull them off at the time but uh, yeah I'm kind of very cautious in what I wear even still I kind of try and wear really really loose clothes um, so maybe it's a thing if I was to prevent people from doing something i prevent them from wearing baggy clothes because i'm told they look horrific on me now so <laughs> but uh um, i just thinking maybe baggies is not in at the minute it's all tight clothes but you know baggy will definitely come back around to be in fashion 
Yeah, no, it's a it's a situation that I have to buy a complete new wardrobe. So it's a matter of getting the bank balance back right uh, to do that. But I'm slowly doing it, slowly uh, buying new clothes. I'm gone from, I'm embarrassed to say now, and I shouldn't say it on the podcast, from a 40-inch waist to a 32. That's brilliant. You know, you should definitely say that. You should be shouting that across the, the road when you see people. Um Definitely should be definitely hundred percent proud of that. Like, nah, it's kind of embarrassing. I won't lie, and I'm even embarrassed after saying it. I wish I, if if listeners are listening to this that I didn't edit it out. Um, yeah. So yeah, I know it's strange. Anyway, I'm personalizing this, and I shouldn't. It's we should be talking about Kim Jong Un. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, what do you make of it? Do you think it's kind of a bit of a paranoid illusion on his part? I think it's horrific, Robbie. I really do, and I really do fear for the the people in our Korea. I really do. I mean, it's um, like it's just a complete dictatorship. I mean, the you you hear an awful lot of people in this country saying that the mainstream media are kind of trying to brainwash people to this the conspiracy theories that they're trying to get the message out that they're trying to start a new race and all of this shit and all of that uh, now for anyone that's listening that believes it i don't mean any disrespect but i just don't have any belief in that at all but um, i haven't heard that one what's that one? Oh, i mean if you look at it uh, with the vaccines and all of that there's conspiracy theory out there that they're in other words trying to create a new order um that's some of the theories that are out there that the virus was developed to create a new world order and um the different steps that government take to mitigate the damaging effects of covid are meant to be another step along or rung of the ladder in other words so that's what they're saying that they want to depopulize the planet so that's some of the theories out there I don't believe in my follow, like I was saying, I follow topics on Twitter and every time there's a message put up by, um, say, a scientist or um, a reporter or something, you have people putting comments underneath and, yeah, I just switch off them. But um, Yeah, I think the, the New World Order one is kind of, uh, that's been around a while, don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just, it's um, things that gain traction. One of the most disgusting, I know I'm gone off topic, but one of the most disgusting things I saw was um, a man um, that had a megaphone outside the school. Uh, I don't know where the school was, but he was um, roaring through the megaphone at kids going to school 0.5%, um, which is the you could say the infection rate among um, kids with the virus. And I just thought to myself here, this is whatever beliefs you have, you do not bring children into it. I, I just, I have a real difficulty with that. But anyway, I'm gone off topic. Go back to King Jong-un. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really, I really feel for the people in our career. It's, it's completely like you were saying, he was born into it. And um it's just I don't see any way that it will ever. I was on about oppression there earlier. I, I just can't see any way that that country will change. And the people, even though they may not be happy with it, put across a perception that they are happy. Um, so 
a leather jacket. Uh, I don't know why they have a really cold climate over winter over there. I think so. Yeah, it can get pretty cold. I think you definitely won't be warming up with a leather jacket anyway. Anyway, leather no. jackets aren't in style anymore. Are they? No, no. No. Well, not in North Korea anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> so maybe maybe he's uh, trying to ban it because he he's using an excuse he doesn't want to take his image, but maybe he realizes that the image isn't that fashionable now anyway. Uh, before yeah, he's trying did, to save his country, really. Yeah, I know, definitely. <laughs> and maybe maybe it could be a climate action as well because everyone knows where leather comes from as well. So maybe... That's it. He's, you know, he's thinking ahead. Exactly, climate, climate <laughs> action. Uh, we move on anyway, Robbie. Before I dig another hole, because I'm beginning to the ladder isn't big enough to get back out of the hole here. Uh, the high ball and uh, a real interesting one this week, Robbie. Thanks a million. So the high ball. The high ball. Who? So uh, the topic for the high ball this week, uh, we mentioned it slightly earlier, Robbie mentioned it, a company over in America is offering you the opportunity for $150,000 to be the face of a role. Do you think Kim Jong-un could maybe be interested in that? I'm sure he'd definitely be interested in uh, robot technology. to, for his armies and stuff like that but um he definitely probably wouldn't have a robot looking like himself or maybe he would actually he might be a nice decoy for um if someone was trying to assassinate him i'm sure there's a lot of people who, who are trying to do that so maybe his face on the robot could be uh, quite advantageous for him um yeah i think like you said earlier on i don't think someone would want my or people would want my head as a robot you know uh bald guy with a beard i'm not sure that's the top look that they're going for with robots to be honest with you um that's kind of denting at the moment though isn't it well i think you know i'm quite niche you know there's people who like me and people who are not bothered you know but you know i only listen to the people who who like me you know so <laughs> um yeah i think it's probably more in more kind of kind of on trend than it was maybe you know 20 years ago but um yeah yeah i don't know if i would do it to be honest with you especially if they're going to be like you know the kind of you know terminator or matrix type robots that are going to go around killing people and stuff i don't know if i want to have my face on one of them to be honest with you yeah i know i'd be the same um I don't know. It's it, it, it. Being honest, whoever came up with it for the company, I mean, it's a great marketing tool. If you had a hundred and fifty thousand dollars to spare, I mean, um, and you're egotistic. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you want your face to be on it? But um, yeah, what I I should have done research on it sorry Robbie but what's the robot for is it kind of just a humanoid or yeah I think it kind of does like tasks around the house and stuff like that or jobs and stuff like that um I'm not 100% sure now but um I know they have they have robots kind of going already um so yeah I presume it's just kind of to do more similar stuff like that or to take over the world you never know it depends on how quick the artificial intelligence takes over, you know. So, you know, if you watch any sort of sci-fi movie, it won't be long until they take over. Um, and maybe Skynet and they launch all the nukes and stuff like that. Um, but, um, yeah, I suppose 
it just we're kind of moving closer to uh, artificial intelligence possibly taking over or you know lots of jobs becoming obsolete because the robots are out there doing all the stuff you know in a way so it's you know as you were talking about um population maybe needs to decrease maybe there could be you know a potential future where if robots are doing lots of jobs there could be a lot of people unemployed uh, possibly as a result or they'll have to just create new jobs to keep people employed um so yeah it's kind of maybe we're at an interesting juncture of the human race possibly um because you could say like that the industrial revolution kind of really dragged forward civilization uh, leaps and bounds overnight almost and if we were to have robots taking over doing jobs and stuff that would be another huge leap forward but there'd also be people who would be out of jobs and stuff as well so i suppose it's an important sort of thing for people to try and manage or governments to manage and we all know how terrible governments are at managing anything so (laughs) we could be in for a very rough next you know 50 60 70 years yeah, no, definitely. I'd take trying to get over the next year, being honest, I won't Yeah, lie. just get to 2022. <laughs> exactly, and see um, see what position we're in. Actually, just when I thought of it there, I think that company should li- link up with Mr. Muscle anyway, because if it's a robot that does jobs you don't want, the tagline could be, does all the jobs you don't... Uh, sorry, I ruined it. Fuck it. Does all the jobs you hate. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's my closing line. Fecked up anyway. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All good. Uh, a long week. And just uh, you did a website this week as well, teach. Yeah, no, it's a long, long time coming. Um, I remember we were chatting about it last year. I started it and then completely forgot. I set up a website for another organization and completely forgot about it so yeah it's a work in progress robbie it's um two hands under hurl pod dot wixsite.com forward slash podcast two hands under hurl uh, pod dot wixsite.com forward slash podcast is our new website and yeah as i say robbie it's a work in progress we'll hopefully get a our own domain and add features to it as well so onwards and upwards yeah cool good stuff good chat Steve yeah I know I really enjoyed that Robbie and uh, yeah I know it thanks a million for everyone that listens in or we're really overwhelmed with the listenership figures and we're really grateful without you we we have no point doing this so thanks a million for tuning in Uh, you can check out our Facebook and Instagram and give any comments and we love hearing from you as well or any ideas for topics or even a review of our new website as well. We really value your feedback on that as well. So until next week, Robbie, be good. And hopefully we might be in a better position next week. Maybe there'd be better news on the horizon there anyway. Hopefully. Thanks, Siege. Thanks a million, Robbie. Take care. Nice, Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Bye. Good luck. Bye. Bye.